I'm not the sort of person who goes around feeling good about himself. I have my days, don't get me wrong, but any confidence I possess, especially in regard to my writing, was planted and nurtured by someone else, first a teacher, then later an agent or editor. Hey, he or she would say, this is pretty good. Really? This was my cheap way of getting them to say it again. You're not just telling me that because you feel sorry for me? Yes, I mean, no, I really like it. Still, I never quite believed them. What lifted me up was writing for The New Yorker. While this had always been a fantasy of mine, I did nothing to nudge it along. I'd always heard that if the magazine wanted you, they'd find you. And that's exactly what happened. I started my relationship with them in 1995 when an editor phoned and asked if I might write a shouts and murmurs piece on then-President Bill Clinton's welfare reform proposal. I was given one day to complete it, and when I was told that it would run in the next week's issue, something inside me changed. It wasn't seismic, like an earthquake, but more like a medium-sized boulder that had shifted a little. Nevertheless, I felt it. When the magazine came out, I opened it to my piece, arranged it just so on the kitchen table, and strolled past it, wanting my younger, 20-year-old self to see his name at the top of the page. Wait a minute. Is that... Me in the New Yorker? Thirty-nine years it had taken the magazine to notice me. Good thing I wasn't in any rush. If you read an essay in Esquire and don't like it, there could be something wrong with the essay. If it's in the New Yorker, on the other hand, and you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. That said, you're never going to please everyone. It's hard to think of a single entry in this book that didn't generate a complaint of one sort or another. And it could be anything. How dare you suggest French dentists are better than American ones? What sort of monster won't swap seats on a plane? Many were angry that I'd inadvertently killed a couple of sea turtles. Granted, that was bad, but I was a child at the time. And don't you have to eventually forgive someone for what he did when he was 12? There is literally nothing you can print anymore that isn't going to generate a negative response. This, I believe, was brought on by the Internet. It used to be that you'd write a letter of complaint, then read it over, wondering, is this really worth a 25-cent stamp? With the advent of email, complaining became free. Thus, people who were maybe a tiny bit offended could, at no cost whatsoever, let you know that they were never going to buy any of your books ever again. They always take the scorched earth policy for some reason. Of all the entries in this book, the one that generated the most anger was the motherless bear. Oh, the mail I got. How dare you torture animals like this? It's a fictional story, I wrote back to everyone who complained. The giveaway is that the title character speaks English and feels sorry for herself. Bears don't do that in real life. That wasn't enough for a woman in England. I urge you not to mock these intelligent and sentient creatures, she wrote, demanding that I atone by involving myself with the two bear rescue organizations she listed at the bottom of her letter. Just as we can never really tell what our own breath smells like, I will never know if I would like my writing. If I wasn't myself and someone sent me one of my essay collections, would I recommend it to friends? Would I stop reading after a dozen or so pages? 
There's so much that goes into a decision like that. How many times have I dismissed something just because a person I didn't approve of found it enjoyable? Or maybe I decided it was too popular. That's the sort of snobbery that kept my younger self slogging through books I honestly had no interest in. The sorts I'd announce had taken me six months to finish, but were only 200 pages long. If something is written in your native language and it's taking you half a year to get through it, unless you're being paid by the hour to read it, I'd say there's a problem. One thing that I would like about my writing is that so much of it has to do with family. It's something that's always interested me, and it's one of the reasons I so love Greeks. You could meet an American and wait for months before he begins a sentence with the words, so then, my mother. It's the same in France and England. Oh, they might get around to it eventually, but it never feels imperative. With Greeks, though, it's usually only a matter of seconds before you hear about someone's brother or what a pain his sister is.